Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. This week on Jordan and Jake. I go back and I think about 2020 and then I go, for whatever reason, I've been thinking a lot about Y2K. I wonder if the special teams coordinator isn't a great fit for a head coach role because they're a game manager. That's their job already. They're not involved in offense or defense. They're about possessions, time on the clock, down the distance, analytics. Here are your Panther Hall of Honor members, Jordan Gross and Jake DeLome. Well, happy 2020, everybody. This is your first edition of the Jordan and Jake podcast from the future. Jake DeLome with me as always, my good friend. And Jake, I've written it down a few times and it just seems weird to be, it happens every year, but this year especially, it seems weird to be writing the year 2020. How does it feel, Jake, to be in the future? Um, You know, Jordan, <laughs> I go back and I think about 2020 and then I go, for whatever reason, I've been thinking a lot about Y2K. And I remember the 2000, and I don't know just because we have an extra two in the 2020 than 2000. And it brings me back to my Carolina days because we had to go to Carolina a day early because no one knew if planes were going to fly on Y2K. And we played the Panthers and it was eerily similar to the Saints Panther game we just saw last Sunday because the Panthers had everything to play for and were playing well. The Saints had nothing to play for. Um, Coach Ditka was not fired yet, but everybody kind of saw the writing on the wall and the games were almost similar. And I don't know why that's not a great memory for me, but I keep on, (laughs) that just keeps coming in my head for whatever reason. Well, Jake, you've been on the wrong end of both of those games that you said were eerily similar and you had to call the game last week. Uh, against the Saints. And I got to say, I don't think it went any differently than I expected it to, unfortunately. I I didn't think Will would come out of the game like he did. But give me your thoughts. You called it. You were there. How did it look in person? Listen, Will, he he really and truly didn't have a chance. Uh, They were hitting him from from the first play uh, until the the play he got out of the football game. And, um, you know, it, it just it wasn't a good situation, a difficult situation to be in. Um, the Saints really had to win, and, and they're playing good football. And and let's be honest, the Panthers uh, 
really not playing their best football and they hadn't in a while and um, not having DJ Moore again. And it just wasn't good, Jordan, you know, and it's hard for me to say, oh, I don't think Will Greer can play because I truly don't believe he, he ever had a fighting chance in the last two games. Um, you didn't have your number one receiver for both games and just the way the season has been going. And so I just, to me, you just got to flush it. Uh, obviously there'll be a new coach uh, and, and we'll see where we go from there, but I don't think the book's written uh, yet on Will Greer. And I'm just glad the book is closed on this 2019 season. Jake, I got to agree with you on the season. I'm glad it's over too. And you hate to say that as the wild card weekend starting, you wish that we were a part of the action, but we're far from it. And there's a big rebuild happening. Obviously, we're in a head coaching search. I'd like to talk about that. But some other Panther news this week, Sam Mills announced as a finalist for the Hall of Fame. We'll find out um, later this, this offseason if he makes it in. But that means a lot to the organization. And Speak about your relationship with his staff when you and I uh, first came to Carolina. Well, 2003, obviously, that's the year you and I both uh, came to um, Carolina. And that was probably your first introduction to Sam Mills, whereas I had been following him for years, uh, being a New Orleans Saint. And he was the, the field mouse is what he was known as on the Dome Patrol uh, for the New Orleans Saints. And so everybody loved the undersized linebacker that just seemed to make play after play after play. And then he ends up in Carolina um, and obviously was kind of the, the beginning of this franchise, someone that they could, in, in essence, you want to put something out on the front lawn to show you that, hey, this is my house, like an ornament or whatnot. Well, he was the guy that we put out on the front lawn of Panther Stadium. He was what um, Mr. Richardson, I know, wanted a true Carolina Panther football player to be. And he certainly lived up to all those expectations and more. Um, the only guy, obviously, to have a statue outside the stadium as a player. Uh, and it's so fitting. So I got to know him on a personal level. Uh, being in Carolina, the 03 season, um, and got to we him and I spent a lot of time that off season uh, in 03 talking about the Saints days because I had just come from the Saints and we talk about the Dome Patrol and just such a a fun loving guy and just you, you just there was something about it you you were like it was like a magnet you were drawn to him and then as the season went on uh, or we we go through OTAs all our summer. And then we find out he's diagnosed with cancer in August of that year, of 2003. And word spread that it was terminal. Everybody knew that it wasn't a, uh, it was a death sentence. It wasn't anything that he could possibly uh, overcome. So my, everybody looked at him at a different light. You know, one, you felt terrible for him. But one, he was such a great guy and a great football coach and worked his tail off. But he never missed a day. He was always there. He was at every practice, through the chemo, through the radiation. He was always at practice, always on the sidelines for games, and you and you would have never known. But this, to me, was a – I think it was a turning point, I know, for me in my career. It was in the middle to the latter part of November. I think it was la uh, late November. We had played Dallas right before Thanksgiving, and we had a rough game. Uh, we lost the game. I got hit pretty good that day. And um, fast forward after Sunday a couple of days, and – it's Tuesday, you get the game plan. So Wednesday morning is our first day of the week. That is the when all the meat and potatoes go into the game plan. Body's still hurting a great deal, trying to process a game plan. First year starting. So the body's starting to break down, I know, for me a little bit. And I remember walking out of the weight room, heading to the practice field, and really kind of just processing the game plan, what checks are new this week, 
and I don't recall who we were playing. It doesn't really matter, but I, body's hurting, and I come out the weight room to make our walk to the practice field, and we're in the wind tunnel next to the uh, the railroad tracks, and yeah, it's chilly outside, and doesn't help the body much. And I remember saying to myself, "Good goodness gracious, just try to get through this. Let's just go out to practice and really." kind of being a baby, feeling sorry for myself. Well, sure enough, as I'm walking to practice, because we have a nice little walk, about a quarter of a mile, somebody comes running right past me and taps me on the behind. All right, Big Jake, let's see if we can go get better this week. It was Sam Mills. <laughs> and he was and he was running out to practice. And so as I'm walking out there, I'm saying to myself, here I am, 28 years old, first year starting, living a, a charmed life. And I'm feeling sorry for myself because my body's hurting a little bit. I didn't play the best, and I'm processing a new game plan. And here's a guy who's dying, who's fighting for his life, and who's jogging out to the practice field to go run uh, 10, 110 sprints before practice starts. Then he's going to go coach. Then he's going to go to the hospital after that. So at that point, it was like the light came on to me about just enthusiasm. I'm a big enthusiasm guy. I think it's kind of – it's infectious. It spreads throughout a team. And at that point, I remember saying to myself, you got to grow up. You got to grow up and be a man. And you, you got to be an NFL football player, but just be a man. Quit feeling sorry for yourself. And, and it was that moment in time, and I'll, I'll never forget, it was just Sam Mills, just him jogging right past me, tapping on the behind, saying, all right, Big Jake, let's see if we can get better this week. It just, that to me was a turning point for me and my attitude to the rest of my career. Well, and I'm grateful for that story because I've always thought you had that attitude and to know that it was built from Sam, man, that's that's awesome. He, that same year, Jake, he, my wife's grandfather was stride for stride with Sam battling a terminal cancer diagnosis. And I asked Sam uh, to write him just a note thinking it'd be a little, you know, keep pounding type of thing and, and hand it to me. And the next day, Sam had uh, had a three-page handwritten letter to my grandfather who he didn't even know uh talking about you know have faith faith in god fight the fight you know trust never give up and when my when my wife's grandfather read it it made him cry you know an 85 year old man it made him cry it meant the world to me i, I didn't think i had time to do something like that jake the same same exact thing but so so happy for sam and and his family and his legacy and good for the Carolina Panthers as well. Also, Jake, Ron Rivera got the job in Washington. I know he's no longer a Panther uh, currently, will always be remembered well in this organization. But how do you think that fit works for Ron? I think it's going to work well. And uh, I think you'll see dividends right away. I'm not so sure about the offensive side of the ball. But on defense and watching us play the Redskins only a few weeks back, I thought there was a lot of talent on that defensive front. They have a lot of first-round picks. On the defensive line, they were starting to play some younger guys in the secondary, and they have the number two overall pick in the draft, and that's going to go yep. to Mr. Chase Young out of Ohio State. And if he doesn't yep. somewhat resemble Julius Peppers, I don't know what does. And <laughs> so I just think this is going to fall right into Ron's lap. He's going to uh, – they'll pick this guy, and they're going to have a formidable def a defense from right at the get-go and he'll develop that team. You played for him. Obviously, I did not. But I think he'll do a very good job of, of, of maybe getting um, 
you know, kind of stabilizing that organization. I think that's the biggest thing is to get a stable organization. And I think he'll do a really good job there in Washington. Well, and he's a smart guy. He's going to know the first phone call I would make to a player if I was Ron is to Trent Williams, the franchise left tackle, and get him try to get him back in good graces with the organization, if at all possible. Because when you got a young quarterback you're trying to develop, having a left tackle is a little bit important, Jake, a little bit important. So I, I, I we play them next year you and i might be fighting over who gets to go call that game because that'll definitely be an interesting week but i wish him and stephanie the best and uh it's going to be interesting to see how they where they go but all right the panthers no head coach jake not surprised we don't have one yet we've interviewed mike mccarthy a couple times we've got josh reported we've got uh matt roll and, and josh mcdaniels and eric the enemy coming up uh who who do you like? Who do you don't like? You got any sleepers? Where you at on all this, Jake? Well, I think a lot of it is the unknown. I don't know Matt Rule at all. Beyond impressed at what he has done at Baylor and before that at at Temple, he turned Temple into a pretty nice football team, and I think that's pretty hard to do. Uh, and then he went to Baylor, and this is on this is a a program that was on the verge of the death penalty. They were zero and eleven. And to see what he's done in only a few years at Baylor, I know he has some NFL ties or experience, albeit just one year or so. But uh, then again, he does have some NFL uh, experience. McDaniels, obviously, I think is um, it's well documented how much of a, a good offensive coordinator he is and, and game planner. Um, there's going to be question marks about the whole Denver situation. How did that unfold in Denver? Because he was run out of air after his uh, middle of his second year. Um, and then the whole Indianapolis deal, he backed out on that job two years ago. So there'll be some question marks there, but there's no doubt. I've been told from many people on the outside what a, what a, a very innovative offensive mind, and he does a great job of, of working to his strengths. Um, you know, Eric Bieniemy, I, I just know him from his Colorado days as a running back. I do not know him personally <laughs> at all. Um, the Andy Reid coaching tree has kind of it, – it's looked like there's there's want to have some bloom on that tree, so to speak. Um, so who knows how that's going to go, but obviously, um, it's nice when you have Patrick Mahomes as your quarterback and you're the offensive coordinator. Um, so I'm anxious to see how that goes. And Mike McCarthy, he's the one that I I know better than all of them. And and it's by a great, by wide margin. Mike was my offensive coordinator in new Orleans for three years, 2001 and 02. And I've stayed very close with Mike. Um, you know, uh, Mike is a great teacher. He's a leader of men. That's one thing I'll say. He was not the head coach. So to say I've ever seen him in that capacity, that's wrong. But I know he commanded a room whenever we had our offensive meetings. Um, he was did a fantastic job in the quarterback school that we went through all the quarterbacks. I know it developed me. It helped me open my eyes to the other side of the football and about protections and run game and things of that nature. Um, because Mike always preached knowledge is power, knowledge is power. So he did a great job of that. I know Matt Hasselback was one that was a, a big proponent of McCarthy um, because Matt had quarterback school with him. Um, Mike was in Green Bay prior to the Saints as an assistant. And, and Matt uh, Hasselback would talk about that growth. And Aaron Rodgers, the same thing. Um, I, I truly believe he benefited from the quarterback uh, school that Mike does kind of go through. And he had success in Green Bay. It ended, I guess, on rocky terms, so to speak, with the quarterback. And 13 years is a long time at one place, but he had great success. So I'm more familiar with Mike. 
Uh, I think he's a man's man. Uh, and I think he would be a great hire. But for me to say what I think about these other guys and not knowing them and sitting in a room and grilling them on questions and how they handle um, certain things that come up as a head coach, because Jordan, if you've never been a head coach, you hear all guys say it. You don't understand everything that's thrown on your plate. You have to answer every single question from every t- what time is pregame snack? What time are the buses leaving? What time is this meeting? That meeting? What time do you want mass and chapel scheduled on Saturday? What time is treatment on Monday, uh, on Tuesday? So there's so many things that go into it that it's very overwhelming for a first time head coach. Jake, I'm glad you finished with that thought because that's where I'm at. You've got three of the coaches, McDaniels, Bienemy, and Rule, that are either still in season or just finished their season. So are they ready to go right into a new organization, put together a new staff, pick up right where they left off? Or then you, McCarthy, who's had a year off, time to think about what he's done. I re- I'm reading about he did the Mike McCarthy project, which was going back and looking at all the decisions he made and watching all of his old film and reflecting and kind of reinventing himself. seems to me that he'd be more prepared because of your, your point about if you've never been a head coach, can Josh McDaniel? Well, he's been a head coach, I guess, but could could Eric Bieniemy, for example, go from coordinator right to head coach? And and yeah, he's part of the Andy Reid coaching tree, and he's a great offensive mind. But how much wisdom is there in the first year new head coach calling the plays? Because now you're doing twice as much work, Jake. That's very difficult. And I would assume, listen, when these guys come in for an interview, that's that's one of the questions. You know, the general manager, the owner, they're going to ask. Who is your coordinators on both sides of the ball? Who is your number two choice? Who's your number three choice? Who's your quarterback coach? Oh, well, you you should go coordinator, then offensive line coach. Uh, I truly believe that's one of the most important deals. And then so forth and so on down the line. So, and, and you have to know, is this a maybe, or do you have this guy? Is he definitely committed to coming here? So that's a, that's very difficult on the flip side. If you've never gotten a chance to be a head coach, then how do you know you can't do it? I mean, that's the thing that could could there be someone, you know, that's never been a head coach. I go back to John Harbaugh. John Harbaugh was a special teams coach. He was never a coordinator on offense or defense. And so look at the success and how he has kind of reinvented uh, himself and that football team in Baltimore. So I, I think a head coach can come in any way, shape or form. Dabo Sweeney, big fan of him down the road in Clemson. He, I'm not so sure if he's ever called a play in his life, but he's a leader <laughs> of men. He commands a room. Well, he's a leader of men. He recruits guys, and he gets these guys to show up on the biggest days. No, you're right. Your comment about Harbaugh's, though, it's interesting. I wonder if the special teams coordinator isn't a great fit for a head coach role because they're a game manager. That's their job already. They're not involved in offense or defense. They're about – possessions, time on the clock, down and distance, analytics, field goal length. I mean, they're so used to running a little bit of the day-to-day part of the game, you know, and they're not so tied up in a head coach. I had dinner with J.J. Jansen in Indianapolis, and he was saying that, that he thinks that a special teams coordinator could be a great head coach because their role is so different than an offensive or defensive coordinator. What what do you think about that, though? Because you're the offensive that's, guy. You want an offensive coach? What what do you think? Okay, that's a great point because why? Who's the only coach that coaches every single person on the team at some point? The special right. teams coach. 
He is coaching right. the D line on field goal blocked, offensive line on field goal uh, protection. He's coaching the tight ends, the linebackers, the receivers, even the quarterbacks. Because most quarterbacks, some are holders, but the backup holders are always the quarterback. So he he is he has to touch everybody on that football team. That's something that that should very well pl- play in. And I'm surprised we have not seen more of the um, special teams coordinators getting jobs. Now, do we want to go young? Oh, this so-called innovative head coach, because I brought something up in the broadcast of the game last week. I'm watching Drew Brees run a play and it was a day one mini camp play. It's called double stick. And they ran in multiple times in our game against the Panthers. He completed everyone for a first down. And I, I remember telling Mick Mixon, you know, we want to talk about these young, innovative minds. Says Sean Payton has been running the same play since 2006. You, and nobody ever questions him, and he's probably <laughs> one of the best uh, play callers there there are in, in the National Football League for the past decade. But yet they're running the same plays because it's execution. So you look at the Sean McVay's and the Kyle Shanahan's, yep. great success, pretty good football team. Cincinnati, Zach Taylor, I'm sure he's a fine coach. They struggled this year, to say the least. They struggled mightily. They won two games. And so you look across the board, you look at Vic Fangio, 61-year-old, longtime assistant, finally gets a job in Denver, and the quarterback carousel that was played out in Denver, not that talented of a football team, especially on the offensive line. And this team finished the year strong, and you can tell they're doing the right thing. So I think right. that the new head coach can any can come in any form, form or fashion. Well, and that then whoever we hire is going to have big shoes to fill. I know Ron this season didn't go the way he wanted, but just the way he is regarded in the building and in the organization, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting to see. And I wouldn't be surprised. I have no insider information on this, Jake, but by the by the time we talk next on our next show, we might have a head coach. So there's exciting times ahead. Uh, the we ended the season five and eleven. We got the seventh pick in the draft. Obviously, not the great finish we had, but there were some star players. All right, some standouts. So I want to finish up with our offensive and defensive MVPs. I feel like we should just do this since we're a Panther broadcast. And I'm going to put some stipulations, though, Jake. You can't say Christian McCaffrey, and you can't say Luke Keekley. All right, so we okay. got to go deeper deeper than that. And you can go first if you want because I got a backup. I won't match you. All right, go ahead. All right, well, I, I've got backups, too. So I, I'm, I'm ready for this, Jordan. Um Right, on you, offense, you go offense first. You go offense. I'll go okay. defense first. You go offense. Okay. On offense first, I'm going to go with DJ Moore. I, you know, I probably took your guy, but for a second-year receiver <laughs> to see to see his growth, to see the explosive plays, um, I thought he made some clutch plays for us, some big catches, and he didn't play two games. He did not play the last two games no. of the season. Missed last week and played one drive against Indy. When he was knocked out, so DJ Moore is my uh, my offensive guy besides Christian. I got a line which just got beat up this year on the field and in the media and from people like ourselves. But you don't know a consistent O lineman until they're gone. I think that a lot of Panther fans like me more after I left than they did when I was playing because you just you know you don't if it ain't broke don't fix it. You don't know that the spot's good. I thought Taylor Moten had a great year. I know starting every single game, he was banged up a lot through the year. That right tackle spot is is a little bit the the stepbrother of the left tackle spot, but he just he's a guy that I think we gotta lock up 
and, and keep him around a long time. He's durable. He's smart. He's tough. He can pass well. I know every play didn't go his way, but um, we're, he's a valuable piece of that puzzle. And um, there were lots of problems on the O-line, but he definitely wasn't one of them. So I'm going Taylor Moten as my offensive MVP. How do you like that, Jake? I like that a lot. I, I wasn't sure where you're going to go. Uh, I thought yeah. it was going to be him. I had one other honorable mention there, but I, okay. I, I think that's a very smart pick. All right, defensively, I'm stealing your get. You know, what? I'm gonna let you have him. I know. No, you're no, go. absolutely not. No. I, all right, I want I, you to go. I'm going. All right, I'm going. Ross Cockrell. He just he impressed me. Yeah. I know he impressed you. He came in. He played nickel. He did special teams, which isn't defense, but it's close enough. He ended up starting at the end of the year, which was out of the blue from where the season began. I love watching the guy. He's even got an odd number for a corner. He's in the full two often. He just he, I, I, We were lucky to have him, and um, Perry put a lot of faith in him at the end of the year uh, to give him that starting spot. I was so impressed with Ross Cockrell, Jake. Well, uh, you did steal my thunder. I was definitely going with Ross Cockrell. Every, I'm going to echo mm -hmm. everything you said, but I did have a number two. And right. I'm going to say I'm going to say Eric Reed. I, I just thought what we asked him to do this year, um, I, I thought he played through injury. I saw him turn his ankle multiple occasions. I thought I saw him with ice bags on the shoulder right after games, heating pads before games. And what we asked him to do to kind of be an in the box safety, because we all know we, we, we struggled mightily trying to stop the run. Um, and I thought, the physicality that he had to play with week in and week out. And I mean, he was inside the box. I mean, he was three, two and three yards from the line of scrimmage on many occasions. So he was one that I also thought he had to have a, a mention in there also. Uh, all right. I, I wouldn't, I'm not upset about that pick either. I had Bruce Sermon written down as well with eight and a half sacks mid part of the season and really the leadership role. I know he played off the field as well. I, I hope we can get him back for next year because he did a lot of good things. All right, before we sign off, though, wild card weekend, Jake, a lot of football games. Give me the one game you're most excited to watch. I am – honestly, all of them, but I am probably most excited to watch the Houston Texans play against the Buffalo Bills. I, I just think what Sean McDermott has done in Buffalo and Brian Dable, the offensive coordinator, what he's done with Josh Allen, who is was about as raw as could be coming out of Wyoming and watching that defense of Sean's. I love watching him play. But, man, I'm such a big fan of Deshaun Watson. I just think he has magic and ice in his veins. So that's the game I'm most excited to watch. How about yourself? Uh, I can't. I'm The thing, Patriots, man. This is the first time they've been in the wild card since 09, I believe. And Tom Brady is getting heat as the worst quarterback in the playoffs. And there's the legacy over. And it's Josh Daniels leaving. Or McDaniels leaving. And I just know I, I don't like them for the same reasons you don't like the Patriots, but I know they're just going to piss me off worse because they're going to win <laughs> and go on a little run in the play. And it's like I can't it's like a train. I can't help but watch it, Jake. I can't help but watch it. So I'm rooting against them, but I know they're going to win the dang game. And Brady just ugh. still from I'm still bitter, Jake, but I'm going to watch that game. So uh, I'll catch up with you after the break. Uh, Happy New Year once again. And uh, always a pleasure, Jake. Yeah, Happy New Year. I'm like you. You know, Brady, yeah, I mean, he's all right. I mean, he's one, he's ugly. <laughs> you know, he's an yeah. ugly guy. He, you know, he's he doesn't take care of his yeah. body. Yeah, yeah, you know, so Just, it's hard. Yeah, it's such so hard to not like a guy like that. So anyway, Happy yeah. New Year. Looking forward to next week. 
anxious to see if we'll have a coach or not. And if we don't, then I would assume you'd start to see the search narrow a little bit. So anxious to see. Very happy for Sam Mills. Can't say enough how happy I am Sam Mills being a finalist for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. All right, Jake. Take care. Take care.